The scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 21. Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be part become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. We are working our way through the book of Ephesians, and we are getting into some really, really fun parts here. Uh, Paul prays in chapter 3, verse 17, that we would be rooted in Christ's love. And we are going to talk a lot about love this morning and what the difference between being rooted in Christ's love and being rooted in uh, imitations of that love as well. Starting when I was about 16, uh, I started taking guitar lessons from Matt Giovanetti at Sade Music in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. This was a three o'clock lesson and my best friend Michael had a uh, lesson at 3.30, and we, lived, we went to school on the exact opposite side of where this uh, music store was located. So uh, when the bell let out at 2.35, we would run to our car, my car or his, and we would race across town to be able to get to our music lessons on time. Often, we were not on time, and occasionally, um, we were stopped. Um, and we were, again, not on time because we were trying to get there so quickly, we were pulled over. So um, there was a lot of racing. We learned a, I learned a lot about music and about a, lot, a lot about music theory there. Um, I should have probably learned and taken some voice lessons as well so that when Nick is gone, I can strum the guitar. 
uh, I can do that reasonably well. But uh, uh, singing is just not something that you want me to do in front of you in public. So I shouldn't be leading that. It's interesting to talk about music and music lessons. Um, they kind of defined and set up a lot of uh, time when I was in seminary and had time by myself. I was able to just, I'd just pull out the guitar and I'd strum and I'd play and I'd sing. Uh, when I was in, in college, I would take the, I would, I would play as well and I led uh, worship uh, as a part of the Navigator's ministry uh, in our, our large gatherings each week and play guitar. They didn't let me sing. They actually, they actually took the mic away from me one Thursday night. So um, again, but Paul in verse 14 just breaks out into song. And he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul, as he's talking about the love of Christ and who we are in Christ and how when we get love right, it just bursts into song. What would it look like for our lives to become this music also? What would it sound like? What would we sing? Paul wants us to learn the true song of our hearts. And for this, we need a music teacher who can teach us to tune the instruments and to be able to learn the melodies. So we're going to talk about the music teacher. We're going to talk about tuning the instruments. And we're going to talk about learning the melodies. The music teacher. Look at verses 1 and 2 again with me. Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Imitate God. God is the music teacher. Christ is the one who has come to show us how we can live and be like him. We are called beloved children. As children, we reflect that in whom we have uh, our parents, who we have been made in their image, whether we like it or not. There's always a day where we suddenly realize whatever we've just said is the same thing that our mom or dad would say to us or what they would just say in general. And we go, oh, okay. Um, in this case, it's actually a very good thing. Uh, to be able to reflect who God is as his beloved children. He goes on, Paul goes on to tell us what this reflection, what this imitation should look like. Love as Christ loved. He gave himself up for us. We give our lives up for others. We love as Christ loved us. He says, Paul, throughout Ephesians, has been saying, walk in love, walk as Christ did. This is a metaphor for life because walking is doing something with a purpose. We are going somewhere. We are receiving something when we walk. We are doing something, and so we want to walk in love. Our life should have a purpose to it, and that purpose should be love. The thing that Paul is talking about here very specifically is a life that is both worshipful and a life that is sacrificial. These are the two things that Christ does for us when he loves us. He is a fragrant offering, and he is a sacrifice to God. The love that we have in our life cannot be separated from God. The, be, to be able to truly love is to be able to worship God and to receive the love that he has for us, and that is the true love that we are able to experience in life. This comes as a sacrifice. Love can never be separated from sacrifice. There's something about what this world needs 
that is so closely related to us giving up who we are to give a part of ourselves, to give all of ourselves over to it, to be sacrificial. Imitate God as children walking in love, worshiping and as sacrificial in him. There was a time when I wanted to play guitar in front of, uh, for like a church uh, talent show. I think that's what it was. They'll, my parents will correct me if I'm wrong. So, or Brennan. Brennan was there too. So uh, I wanted to play, but I was nervous because I was just learning how to play guitar. And so my surrogate uh, guitar teacher, Sean Farver, who was the youth minister there, I said, well, Sean, would you play with me? Would you play the guitar with me? And so he sang, I believe, if I'm, if I'm right. Uh, but we got up and we played and uh, we played together. And just playing with him eased my nerves and my anxiety to be able to play along. And afterwards, he was like, you didn't need me up there. You did just fine. But to be able to play with him, someone who is farther along in their uh, music career, if you will, uh, someone who had gone before me, uh, gave me the ability to play with him, to be able to participate. We'll get to that in a minute. First thing, though, is that the church has a terrible reputation for love and worship. Oftentimes, we, in our love, we silo off. We remove ourselves from the world. We don't share our love outside of this community, and even in our community, we don't do it that well. We don't. We'll give, we'll love, but not sacrificially. We'll give and we'll love, but on our terms. That is not what Paul is telling us to do here. See, in our worship, we often become more performance-based than participative. We want to perform. We want to do well. I want to do well. I want to have a well-prepared sermon. I want Nick to sing and play well for us. I want us to do um, our worship well. But then doing that, we lose the perspective of we're offering back to God what he has given to us. And we are participating with him in how he has loved us sacrificially. And the problem with love and worship is they can't be measured it's not an emotional experience that we have, but it's a complex set of relationships that are both interpersonal and Trinitarian. In our love and worship, we are participating in the community that we've been placed, and we are participating in what God is doing here in this world as well. There are five therefores in this passage, and a therefore in the passage in Scripture always says, because of what's come before this, therefore do this. We often mistake that as an application of taking the truths of Scripture and just applying them to our lives and us doing the work there. But again, this is not application. It's participating in our love and worship. Sacrificially, we are participating with God and what He is doing. See, we are not just children of God, but we are images of God reflecting who He is to imitating who He is and how He works in this world. That is how He created us. It's a sacrificial life modeled after Jesus. He is our music teacher, and we make music alongside Him. If we know who our music teacher is, first thing that we learn, that I learned from Matt Giovanetti, is you got to learn how to tune your instrument. You got to know the chords and how they come together. So let's tune our instruments together. Let's look at verses 3 through 15. Paul writes, But sexual immorality 
and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes light becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Tuning our instruments. Um, I love getting to talk about sex in front of my parents. It's not awkward at all, but that is what we're talking about this morning. There's a number of sinful sexual behaviors mentioned here. Sexual immorality is just kind of a catch-all term that Paul uses in Scripture. It's the word porneia, where we get our word pornography from. It's the behavior. Impurity is impure motives of, of not fully committing to what uh, we are doing with our bodies. Covetousness is the desire to have more of it. Crude joking, enticing words, all of these things bypass the intimacy that God wants us to have between one another. Crude joking is uh, something that uh, we often fall into just as humans. We make a, a funny sexual reference. The word here is actually uh, kind of a double entendre. Um, unfortunately, I am very good at this. Um, and uh, my wife reminds me of how not good it is to be good at this on a regular basis. But we often substitute this kind of conversation, whether it's sexual conversation between friends or whether it's sexual intimacy outside of marriage, as kind of a false intimacy. It's something that sounds very intimate to talk about or to do, but actually lacks intimacy completely because it doesn't get to the thanksgiving. It doesn't get to what God is doing in our lives when we're talking in between friends, and it doesn't um, show the actual commitment that we have to one another when we practice uh, sexual behavior outside of how God has defined it between a man and a woman. We'll look at that uh, specifically in a couple of weeks and what that looks like. It's enticing words, right? Sex sells, marketing. It's easy to make a movie about sex, whether that's humorous or whether it's dramatic. It's something that gets our blood pumping. It's very easy for that. But love is often cheapened into mere sex, just being this physical act that we do without the commitment that we have with one another. And Paul warns us here. He says, don't be partners with them. Don't join yourself in these seeming intimate relationships that really don't go anywhere. Be aware of who you are partnering with in your life. Paul says, this is idolatry. Not 
there's very few times that we would actually like recognize and say uh, sexual immorality is idolatry. But idols are anything that we put in the place of God, where we go to and look for our satisfaction, our self-actualization. And when we do, when we practice these behaviors, when we are crude in our joking, when we um, are experiencing uh, just the physical act of sex outside of marriage, it is looking for someone else or some other thing to give us the intimacy that only God can provide for us. It's living in a fantasy world where we only take into account our own hearts and our desires and, and, and selling ourselves short of those as well. Paul says there's light and there's darkness. There's secret and there's visible. Do not be deceived. Don't substitute that uh, which is hidden for that which is put into the light. He says the first thing you do when you learn the guitar, sorry, First thing you do, as I said, when you learn the guitar, is to tune the strings. Every Sunday when Nick shows up, he sits there with his tuner and he tunes his strings. Almost every time we pick up a guitar, we have to retune our strings. When you string your guitar for the first time and put new strings on it, you have to tune it, and then you have to tune it again, and then you have to tune it again. It all goes out of tune almost immediately every time you restring it. Now, there's a couple ways you can do this. You can have a tuner, as Nick has, and it will tell you exactly the same no the note that you're playing how far you're off and it'll give you even down to the the actual tonal differences the hertz of that or you can tune the guitar to itself so e-a-d-d-e-a-d-g-b-a it's back in there somewhere are the chords that you have and whatever the e is maybe it's an e flat you can tune it to that e flat so the guitar is in tune to itself but it's not actually in tune so if you pick it up and try to play with other people whose instruments are in tune, immediately you're going to know that you're off. We need a tuner because a note in tune immediately exposes a note that's not in tune. And every time we come back to our lives, every morning God says uh, his mercies are new. We need to be retuned to who he is why do we gravitate to the cheap substitute of sex outside of marriage, sex outside of God's plan, his design? I don't think it's just because it's easy and accessible. I think it's because it doesn't seem to cost us anything. I think it's because we're out of tune. Because we haven't seen, we haven't heard the notes of what God wants to play in our lives. Or we've been tuned to a false tuner. We buy into the lies of media and society all around us to tell us this is a way to be intimate with one another instead of being tuned to what Christ wants in our lives. It seemingly doesn't cost us anything, but its price is experiencing the fullness of love as Christ has modeled through us through worship and sacrifice any love that's not connected to who God is in worship and sacrifice. What God, uh, what Christ has done for us on the cross is just a cheap substitute. It's going to a kid's symphony or a kid's rehearsal recital when the Philharmonic is available to go to. It's hearing those notes and those out of tune and those instruments being played versus experts in their field. See, sex is it's not dirty. Paul's not condemning sex. It's a beautiful gift from God that he designed to express the intimacy of the covenant of marriage. But sex doesn't create intimacy. It arises out of intimacy. 
The sexual attitudes of the Greco-Roman world would have been very similar to ours. But what we do with our bodies matters because Jesus showed us how he used his body matters. It's not personal gratification, but it's sacrifice for others. Eugene Peterson said, As with any life dominated by getting something, it finally incapacitates him or her from being someone. It's taking a cheap substitute and using it for the real thing. So how do we know that we're in tune or not? Paul says it's through thanksgiving. That's the evidence of us being in tune and becoming light in the Lord. Thanksgiving is the evidence that we are in tune. Instead of being focused on what we are doing, we become focused on what we, God is doing, and that creates thanksgiving in our lives. We become tuning forks for the rest of the world because as we are regularly tuned to Christ through prayer, reading scripture, and worshiping together on a regular basis, we begin to see the places where God is at work. And as our lives are in tune with his life, the dissonance of those who are not tuned to Christ becomes more clear to us. We become light in the Lord, and that shines in the dark places. Where are you out of tune in your practice of love? Is it connected to the self-sacrificial nature of Christ's love, or is it for your own satisfaction? What can you give thanks to God for? What are the people, the relationships, the things in your life that God has provided for you when you thought you didn't have it? Now, Paul isn't condemning you if you have a broken sexual past. If you are brokenhearted in this and you're feeling the weight of not having lived in tune with what God desires for us, God loves the harlot. God loves to go after the brokenhearted. He called a prophet, Hosea, in the Old Testament to take a wife for him, Gomer, who was a prostitute. Literally a whore is the word that's used because she was the image of who Israel was, God's chosen people. And Hosea was called to go after her over and over and over again. God runs after you over and over and over again. The man who was called uh, the man after God's own heart, David, in the Old Testament, committed adultery, murdered the woman's husband, and then uh, took her to be his wife, David and Bathsheba. Probably one of the best stories that we know of David, that and David and Goliath. And yet, in his brokenness, God still calls him a man after God's own heart. God loves the brokenhearted. God loves the broken, and he wants to come and heal your heart as well and tune you to what he is doing and wants to do in your life. Because once we are in tune, we can begin to play the melodies that he has for us. Look at verses 16 through 21. Excuse me, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a lot of terms and phrases that are used here that um, we just we don't have time to, to go through a whole lot, but this, this image of time that we have is this, uh, the word, it's not chronos, which is um, linear time, but it's kairos, which is non-linear time, so moments, beats, a moment in time, an opportunity. He says the days are evil, redeem this time. Basically, what Paul is saying is the world is out of rhythm. The world is off beat from what God would like it to be. So don't be foolish about it. Be wise. Don't be debaucherous and waste it and be empty and not fill the time, but have a life connected to God, making uh, melody with him, singing psalms and songs and spiritual songs to one another. Paul uses this image of wine versus the spirit. Now, wine... And being filled with wine, uh, and not being drunk on wine, but being filled with the Spirit, is not Paul condemning wine. Elsewhere, he his uh, pastor who was in Ephesus, actually, Timothy, he says, hey, you got a little stomach problem? Hey, drink some wine. That'll help. Uh, there's Old Testament references uh, of the, the people of Israel being called the vineyard of God and the blessing that they are to the nation. Jesus' first miracle in John that's recorded is him turning water into wine. Paul's not condemning wine. He's not a teetotaler. He's condemning the cult of Dionysus in Ephesus. This was the god of wine. Maybe you've heard of the god Bacchus. This is the same god uh, in the Roman system as well. And they, he was the god of wine. The Dionysian drunkenness is what they're, where people would go and experience. They go to the temple and they drink deeply of this wine to be to overindulgence, um, and it was a counterfeit spirituality. It was this frenzied and ecstatic uh, ritual that they would do, and they would drink the wine to try to get the the god Dionysus into them and be filled with the spirit of Dionysus. This is where we get the word enthusiasm which means to, to bring out the God within or to be filled with a God, another God, lowercase g. Instead, though, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And he says you do this by submitting to one another. Rather than self-indulgent Dionysian drunkenness, we are arranged under, that's literally what the word means, one another. It's a strong and free act of the will based on real love of another person. This is that covenantal commitment. This is where love flows out of. This is relational allegiance and obedience in Christ. And I wonder, I emailed my, or I texted my very good friend, Mike Sayers, who's a very large Greek man, is thinking he may have known, if this submission is not a term, a musical term, of one another, as they are singing songs to one another, if this is not an arrangement of notes with one another, making melody with one another. See, we are learning the scales. Scales are an arrangement of notes and melody and harmony, and we are making melodies, which are singular notes that are pleasing to the ear. But harmonies are a combination of notes that are pleasing to the ear. Together, in combination, 
as the church, the body of Christ, we make harmonies, not just melodies. Our lives begin to take, make the music the Holy Spirit intends, arranged just so in rhythm, in time with the Spirit. See, you don't have to get drunk to get the roaring joy that the Spirit gives. Alcohol makes you happy because it's a depressant. It doesn't make you depressed, but it depresses the part of the brain that holds your anxieties. You forget about them. So you can have fun. You can be lighthearted. You can have a good time. But the Holy Spirit works in the exact opposite way. He doesn't make you less aware of your problems. He makes you more aware of your resources. He takes the work of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, and he applies it to your heart. And you say, so what with the problems? They come and they go, but the Spirit presses the deep truth into our hearts that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And when our life is bound to His, we'll say, yeah, we have problems. Everyone does. But in Christ, I have more resources. I have more time, more wisdom, more connection, more love. Intimate, deep, and real love. See, when we drink wine at the table, it's hard to get away from that. We give away wine keys to our guests that come because we do this to celebrate how God has filled our lives with the Holy Spirit. We drink in celebration of that, not to excess, but to acknowledge the joy and the grace and the mercy that God has given us. See, here's the secret. You don't have to be musically gifted to learn these songs. You don't have to sing. You don't have to take voice lessons. And it's never too late to learn a new tune. Because when our love and worship are in tune with what God has done through Christ's sacrifice on the cross by the power of the Spirit, Jesus becomes an irresistible song that enlivens every heart here and now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for singing your song of love in our lives. There's so many imitations, cheap and easy, out there, Lord, but you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ, to show us what true love looks like, self-giving sacrifice. May our hearts be in tune with you. May we look to you to be our music teacher, showing us how to tune our lives, showing us how we can make melody and harmony that glorifies you and praises your name. May people hear our song in our lives and be invited into this symphony that you are creating as well, your church, your body of Christ here in this place. May our hearts be enlivened by you. May we know the grace and mercy and love that you pour out upon us, and may the Spirit press that deep into our hearts to know it to be true. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.